Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best founders and investors to help you scale a business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is Sebastian, the founder and MD at Binomics. Sebastian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's it's my pleasure. And uh, that's not all the time that we discuss a very important topic here on the show, which is pricing. Uh, we all know that pricing is so important, but very, very few of us pay enough attention to, to pricing. But without disclosing any more than that, uh, I would love for you to, to give us a, a, an intro about your background, your story, before you decided to start uh, Binomics. Yeah, uh, happy to do so. So um, we started Binomics um, almost five years ago. Um, my co-founder Ingo and myself, we know each other from a German consultancy called Simon Kutcher, which you might or might not know, it's second largest German consultancy focused on pretty much everything on the revenue side of things. So this includes pricing, but also like product price, architecture, all questions about revenue management, promotions, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, I spent there quite some time. I spent there six years. Ingo even spent there nine years as director. So Ingo is a senior director. And I think like during that time, we more or less saw all the topics there are in, in the field and also saw, saw quite a lot of industries. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and we started Binomics because we were basically unhappy how what we think is the key question between behind um, pricing, but not only pricing, basically all revenue management questions is answered. And um, this question is, what will the customer buy? Because if you like step one, go one step back and think there's a relatively limited amount of questions in revenue management and basically all companies if you're like bmw or coca-cola mm -hmm. or running a lemonade stand you, you basically always have the same questions and those questions are which product should i offer what should they cost right. how should they promote them and how should i change those basically three things given changing market conditions this means changing cost changing um competitive environment changing customer behavior and so very simple questions, basically, and uh, they are like notoriously hard to answer through throughout. And now the question is, why? Why are they so hard to answer? Right. And the reason is because you don't know how your customers would react, right? So if you have like, if you have like a lemonade stand or your Coca Cola doesn't matter, and you have like have three products, and you ask yourself, hmm, should I introduce a fourth product like on top? Right. Or should I change the middle price of, of my of my product? Or should I run like a 20% promotion or 25% promotion or no promotions at all? Mm -hmm. So the the problem always is you don't know how your customers would react. How would they change their buying behavior? <clears throat> and if you would know, the answer would be very simple. So basically, <clears throat> excuse me. Um it's it's just as Ingo always says, it's, it's kind of the opposite of chess, what we are doing, right? So in, in chess, uh -huh. the rules 
are very simple. Everyone understands the rules, but it's very hard to play a good game, right? So even, even though right. you know the rules, it's, it's very hard to make the right moves. In our right. case, it's, it's more or less the opposite. So the, the rules are very, very hard and the rules are understanding how customers would react. But if you know the rules, how customers react is easy to play a good game. So, and right. this was our starting point plus looking at the status quo, what is the best proxy of customer behavior? So how do you, how do you make this estimation? And um, th that, that was clear that, that this is not ideal. And we came up with a better idea how to do it. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, this idea is basically what we call virtual customers. Of course, as a marketing term, in the end, it's a statistical model of customer behavior. And we, we fought it through and, and basically became clear that this is so strong that we have to, one, this has to be a, a software company. So you need like um, large scale simulation methods mm -hmm. to do that. And it, it has to be run run in the cloud. And it's so strong, the idea and that by then basically it was a guess, like a strong guess, um, that, that we just took the leap of faith and founded Binomics. And you guys are, uh, well, I should have said that in the beginning, but uh, I'm still on time to say that you are uh, based in Cologne, uh, Germany. And uh, and I think it's also interesting to 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 mention uh that the consulting company that you have been representing before funding uh, founding not funding and funding uh binomics uh it, it has been behind that that consulting company uh considering the considered the 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 one herman simon who invented the the eden champions category and kind of considered also the the pricing guru uh which have been also i believe a, a good inspiration for you guys to to start the company right yeah i mean um definitely so um herman simon is, is definitely I, I think one of the one of the the biggest or if not the biggest like management thinker in in uh right. in germany um and he basically brought his topic pricing on, on, on the table and revenue management. And yeah, so this, this is, I mean, meanwhile, it's, it's more or less commonplace, more or less everyone knows that th this, is, this is important, at least for our um, target customers, which are typically large enterprises. So it, it's totally <laughs> clear that the levers you or to make the decisions you make there have like huge impact top and bottom line and um, mm -hmm. um that that i don't know doing a simple cost plus or um whatever rule is, is basically not sufficient and um i think that that makes our lives of course much much easier then if you have to go the first step and, and really has to explain why it's important to make make their better decisions Right, and you started Binomics in July of 2018, uh, according to to your LinkedIn, and and you have raised the pre-seed round, the seed round, and the A round uh, last last November. What else can you share for the ones who are listening to us relate to, to the stage of growth you are in? Any headcount numbers that you can share, number of clients, whatever, whatever are the numbers that you can disclose, of course. Yeah. So headcount, we are now uh, more or less 60 people. Um, 
half of them in Cologne, I would say roughly, perhaps a bit more than almost a quarter in Barcelona, where we have a, a second office. The Spanish market is, is, is great, really has great talent. Mm -hmm. And the rest really, really distributed um, across basically all parts of Europe and yeah, main, mainly Europe. We try to really be set up in a way so that that's, that's easy or that, that, we, that they can work fully productive and, and with no disadvantages remotely. Got it. Um, yeah, because I mean, it's clear that, that we, I mean, we, we won great talent in, in Cologne, but you cannot really win all the best talent only in Cologne. That's, that's clear. Love it. Um, we are um, customer wise, we are, um, yeah, so we have some, some dozens of, of customers. Um, and across across different across different stages and we have, have mainly large enterprise customers so I, I think that's that's important to to understand right. to, to understand our business so we are very often you see this top-down motion like try top-down motion starting with sme right. and trying to win mid-market enterprise client for us it's quite the opposite or we are not really i mean not really went to smes and we still have to evaluate if and when we will do this um mm -hmm. but for us it was like um uh, enterprise customers was was the first target right sounds sounds amazing and in terms of um so your, your motion is is an, an enterprise uh go to market and uh I would assume that you get in in Germany and are you kind of London expanding across Europe those uh, large enterprise accounts or how does yeah. it work in practice the way um, you grow the business currently? Yeah, it's it's definitely land and expand. Um, I think the land definitely is like focused on um, European countries, but I wouldn't necessarily say only Germany. Um, Got it. I don't know. I actually don't know the breakdown exactly, but I, I think we have like at least a third or so of the revenue from the US or the Americas. Okay. Or at least outside outside Europe. We also have customers in uh, Australia and New Zealand. And um, I mean, the, the, the beauty about those revenue management topics is that basically country is, I would say, no category. So... If I go from supermarket A to supermarket B in Germany, or I go from supermarket A in Germany to supermarket B in in in, in the US, make, makes no makes no difference, right? So they, they have exactly the same topics. Mm -hmm. They have very very comparable data, and the technology and the methodology can support to solve uh, the same problem. Exactly. So well, I, I mean, we we are targeting somewhat like mature markets. So not, mm -hmm. not really developing countries because um, data quality definitely is an, is, 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 a, is an aspect. But where this country is, if it's in like Americas, Europe, Asia, elsewhere, basically. Yeah. 
any focus in terms of verticals we always say that in enterprise we need to be very careful to not try to go uh everywhere and sometimes just a <laughs> vertical might be enough to get to 10 million uh arr um, but typically oh. there is this temptation of having at least three verticals to not um be too dependent in just one vertical or at yeah. least having one vertical that is really scaling up another two that are in tests and having initial traction and we are exploring what it will be the second one to to scale up right i mean it's kind of a perfect summary of what, what we are doing what we kind of like <laughs> um went, went there to in like um non-linear ways i would say so um in the beginning we were like i, I would say over over optimistic right so we we had we had a time where we had more verticals than people in the company um and that was of course like a, a nova stretch we, we had like pilot customers in insurance in consumer goods even in in, in b2b in telco in, in, in software and i mean the good thing is we, we saw that basically the the value proposition or sort of method works everywhere that that, that was great and and some things so for example insurance very attractive market i think no no solution in the space mm -hmm. but um notoriously long sales cycle so really right. even even for enterprise so so a year is really fast i guess um yeah and um but now i mean at the moment we are we are really at those three verticals um telco software consumer goods consumer goods definitely is the biggest one but also the other ones work very well i think very much by by nature because like people spend significantly more money for consumer goods than they spend for telco or, or for software right and therefore it, it makes sense and now um yeah I, th I think at the moment i think consumer goods is, is really big enough for 10 million is i, I would say almost an order of magnitude too small what, what you can what you, what you could make there mm -hmm. perhaps even more than one order of magnitude um but yeah, we, we try to really go into adjacent um, verticals in the first place. So, for example, um, OTC Pharma is, is an example very, very similar to con consumer goods. Um, right. And yeah, that's that's our motion at the moment. Got it. And uh, there is something that you are that you guys are doing very well, and that I see as a pattern for any successful company, which is making inbound work, uh, but it's also counterintuitive because we, we would say that in enterprise motion, it's a lot about also combining inbound with outbound. And maybe maybe that, that's what you are what you are doing. But I know that you have been investing a lot in content. So we were just commenting that that we that we released so far 270 uh, plus episodes since 2018. And yeah. you guys have already got to 100 plus uh, webinars for, for your customers. Yeah. And that's also the way you position yourself. You create thought leadership. You create interest. You also, of course, give first to your customers and, and, and become also credible in, in the knowledge that you that you put out there. Uh, yeah. how, how is that motion work to serve enterprises that we know it's a lot of startups also go moving upstream instead of starting with enterprise? Because of what you just said, sales cycle, uh, credibility, reputation, whatever it is, and yeah. you need to have those first customers fast and start proving problem solution fit and product market fit. So yeah. sometimes enterprise might be a little bit more uh, difficult. The good news is if you are able to land 
a number of of enterprise accounts, then uh, having a net revenue retention uh, of quality might be a little bit easier. Having more um, repetitive uh, recurring revenue might be also a little bit easier. So in terms of scaling up in the midterm, it might be a little bit easier than SMBs where you need to have so many leads, a machine of leads to be yeah. able to, to scale that motion. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I mean, um, I mean, meanwhile, at least at the Series A funding, um, we we also we we also fought like more strategically about it. In, in the beginning, we did a lot of stuff. Uh, to be honest, pretty intuitive or just it should be search mode, right? Yeah, <laughs> and um, I, I mean, so for us, it was always like. I mean, you, you have to peel away risks, right? Startups is, is about peeling away risks. And, and one mm -hmm. risk was, I mean, the first risk obviously was, um, does it work? So does our method work? So we, we come very much from our method. So we, we are pretty convinced that that if we if we can, if we if our method does what what it what, what we claim, so basically that we can predict customer buying uh, behavior then we are in a very, very good spot. Our things also have to be executed, no question about that. But basically when we think about the company, we only always think about the product kind of. The, the rest is also, is, is like, needs to be aligned, but but we, we think really about the, the product. Mm -hmm. And the first thing was really, we, we need to prove that it works, right? Um, and for that, we thought, okay, we need like a company with good data, um, to get a data and test <laughs> if customers really behave how we how we predict, and for us it was clear like it's it's much better if you have a larger company because statistics is much better mm -hmm. than for smaller companies because they have more com uh, customers. Got it. Mm -hmm. um, this is number one. Um, number two, um, the other risk is is really ob obviously for every startup, do, do people want to buy it? And then pay, pay, right. pay significant. And for us, it was always like, I mean, even on a on a, almost a conceptual phase, basically when we when we presented the, the solution or the idea to to clients, even even big clients in, in the in the very early days, um, with, with like little more than a concept, we, we saw that the value proposition is very compelling. So we we very we very rarely to never have have a reaction like I don't want it, I don't need it, I already have it. So that that, that never happens. Right. It's always it's always um, that 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 looks fantastic, but does it work right? And then like in the next step, it says, can can it can it do that? Do you have that feature, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's that's the phase we are currently. In the beginning it was right. like, does it work? In the beginning, the answer always was okay. We can A B test it and prove that it does work. But from a scalability standpoint, which we basically haven't considered then, it prolongs the sales cycle. It, it makes, it's, it's, it's costly to do those tests, et cetera, et cetera. And we very soon figured out, it's much, right. much easier to be able to say, look, a Denon, a Ferrero, a, a can list many more clients. We, we, we are not allowed to name, but um, trust us. So yeah. you can trust us. So this, this is much better. So therefore, for us, it was very important having those enterprise clients, having them as a reference, proving that the method works. And I think the last point was very important, um, co-developing basically the product with them. So we, we were very we were very certain 
about a method, but mm -hmm. if, if you build a new product, really a, a new product category, you cannot go like, if I, if I would sell like socks on the internet, I, I could just go to another page, which sells socks on the internet, more or less copy what they do and, and make the crop button green or something like that. Mm -hmm. And for us, it's very much every screen has to be designed from scratch because there is no such screen. And we have, we have looked at nothing, but <laughs> sat there in the beginning with PowerPoints and just thought, okay, it should look like that. And right. for that, it's extremely helpful if you're talking to experts and large enterprises have experts. So, and we, we just, it was just this thought, okay, if we can make it there, we basically can make it everywhere, right? So, and, and we, we need to mm -hmm. co-develop it with large enterprises. And, if, and when you're going to smaller clients, you also have like, they are in, in, a, in a way, they have less, less patience, right? So, because they are right. less of experts, they they only want to use it less frequently and 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 they expect stuff to be much more automated. And in the beginning, almost by definition, you don't have automation, right? So you need yeah. you, you, you it's it's much better that way around. Got it. It makes a lot of sense. But but in the end, in terms of your motion, is it kind of a combination? Does inbound helps to create kind of uh brand awareness, thought leadership, yeah. uh, or do you kind of combine outbound by inviting some of those experts and decision makers to join your webinars so then they get in touch with you and it, it might uh, make start the conversation and go through to explain a little bit more about what you guys do. So do you combine both motions, the outbound and the inbound motion? How, how does that so, yeah, from, from our experience, this very clean motion. So what in, in my understanding, and I'm, I'm not an expert basically, but in my understanding, how I understand inbound is basically I or, or Ingo post, there's a webinar on LinkedIn, totally right. organically, people register, they participate and afterwards they contact us and say, look, it, it, this is so great of, of content exactly. or they saw some nurturing emails. Can we talk? Yeah. This is this is basically this also happens, but it's 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 not like super rare, but it's it's not a majority. The majority is I, I would say 50-50 inbound outbound. Um I mean um organic and, and kind of paid that people come to the webinars right. um, or, or see our content. And then um, also very often we, we contact them afterwards, and and then the conversation starts. So it's it's not a, it's not a it's not a super clean motion, but it's much easier that way than if you just cold emailing. And let's have a conversation without. Uh, oh, we have something interesting about revenue optimization and buy nox in an amazing solution. Uh, might not be the easiest way to open the door. It's much easier to invite someone uh, to talk about a topic that might be a pain for yeah. for that decision maker first. Right? Yeah, and and also position yourself right because it's like it, it's very hard. I mean, for for us, it's like we are we are, we have as I said. I mean, I mean, I, I guess many companies are, but I mean, we we are we are very convinced of the solution. So we we are very convinced that the right way to do it is how we do it, and mm -hmm. also. Quite honestly, we also think we do it better than, than anyone else. So ours have like more screens and integrations, but but it's it's still much better. So, right. so for us, it's more we just need some some space to to convince, right? So yep. for us, we, we are very much convinced if we just like make very clear what, what we do and and show what we can bring. And and 
then it's it's the conversation is is much much easier. So we 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 yeah. know we are perceived as as thought leaders because we really we do our webinars are never a very very little salesy. So typically it's it's almost more like Ingo does it more like um like a university course right so he, he has an interesting topic mm -hmm. and he talks about it and, and in the end we show look this is how it would look in in binomics and then we show the solution but only if it if it if it adds value to the topic so we, we want, really want to educate and and we and 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 this is basically true for all our content so we our, our rule is basically we, we we push no content which is not like original thoughts or at least something interesting um um i and i that that we, we are we are going very well with that and we are we are, we are perceived as 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 thought leaders and um and we, we also see that also on our webinars we people typically very few people churn during the webinar so we have like 90 95 percent for people who, who start a webinar also ended so um i, I like you used the, the terminology churn for for <laughs> the ones who don't stay to the end. <laughs> i like it well then <laughs> um and yeah and uh, so and yeah that that's basically this is our basically it's our complete approach to go to market also we, we right. almost want to have like um uh we, we are both have a very like a strong scientific background and we all, almost try to have like a, a scientific approach to go to market so for us it's it's yeah. just for us it's just if you are stating the facts people should know and typically they want it and if not okay so we, we i don't want to like talk or growth right. hack someone in into a sale also that, that doesn't match with the expand motion in the end um right. So um, for, for us, it's just we are, we are stating facts. And in our opinion, and we are 100% convinced, the facts are um, the facts are customer behavior is key to our revenue management questions. <laughs> virtual customers are the gold standard for our customer behavior. We have virtual customers. That's it. So and now you can take it on or, or not and and we, we just try to to bring this over in, in in all kinds of interesting ways but that that's our approach yeah. right just a curiosity on on the motion because some of some of the founders and uh, and revenue leaders that might be listening are are curious about it you also mentioned there is also com um, a component of performance marketing to be able to you know to, to have the, the webinars uh, full, then of course the referrals start to happen. So it's it's a combination, I assume, of some invites that you might do, but also kind of trying to automate the funnel in the way that you have performance marketing helping to fit the registrations on the webinars. And, and then as you <coughs> said, uh, you might follow up after the webinar to see if there is interest for a conversation or even better when someone who has been on the webinar say, I'd love to, to to chat with you guys because I think you guys can help us. Uh, yeah. That's how we're right? Yeah, I, I think that that's pretty that's pretty much what we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I, I think we, we could we, we definitely could um, improve that in 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 many ways. Not a company, but, right? <laughs> um, yeah, but again, so for us, it's it's very important to be not too too salesy. So that's yeah. I got it. 
And, and again, especially European markets and, and German markets, uh, it, it is very different from the American markets. However, however, one third of your revenue already comes from, from the US. It might be interesting also to see how different tactics might not work in Europe, but in, in the US, maybe being a little bit more aggressive might work uh, a little bit better, depending, depending, of course, on the state, on East Coast, yeah. West Coast, etc. There are also different subcultures and different cultures across different verticals as well. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, one, one very interesting thing that we see in, in consumer goods, particularly, is that in, in consumer goods, I have the impression people change jobs much more often than, than in our vertical. So as a consultant, I work very much in automotive and you, you right. kind of it feels like you buy a house as soon as you have a new job and you, you will never, you know, <laughs> in your life. In right. consumer goods, it, it's it's quite different. So I, I feel like in three every three four years is like the the half life of of like the 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 um, right. consumer goods station, and this helps us quite a lot because we saw many times that the people bring us more or less directly into their new um, company and and there there's much more conversation going on and and. Therefore, if you if you manage to really build a reputation, this is this is an extremely helpful and, and powerful channel, so to say, right. um, which builds up over time. Yeah. yeah. Something interesting, you you are two founders, right? So you are talking always about your co-founder, Ingo, who is also delivering the, the webinars. Both both founders are from a consulting background and a business uh, background. Do you have any technical uh, co-founder in the mix, or actually not? No, and I mean it's 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 really not like like um, it's not like um, founding founding a startup one on one where it's like this business guy and then you have like technical guy and person like an operational right. guy. I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, we are in. I, I mean in in. Like from a background, we're very similar, right? So we have we have both like strong academic quantitative background. We we also spend time in the same consultancy. Yeah, we are yeah. quite quite different as 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 people, I would say. Mm -hmm. That's that that's good. <clears throat> but um I, I think a, a key problem in, in the in this classical setup is I think it's very difficult to evaluate how good the other one is. So if, <laughs> if you have if you have if you have that 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 kind of a funding founding team, I think it's very very, very difficult to evaluate for a CTO how how good um, right. the 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 say business CEO is and vice versa. So um, right, yeah. But your strategy there was to hire the CTO as an early employee. Uh, how did yeah. how how were you able to complement yourself in a way? Because of course, investors would also want to know who would be uh, taking care of the technical uh, or the product and technology side of of the business, right? Yeah, but actually, we we haven't we we haven't yet hired a, a CTO, and and also not um, um, some senior some senior people, which are relatively late, but not not too senior. I mean, in the beginning, the the key component of the code has been written by us in, in Python, right? So this, okay. um, cool. Um, I mean, but but I'm. I, so I, you have been more kind of the CPO, and in a certain way, uh, you were able to. But also there, like parts have been written by you, parts have been written by me. So it's it's kind yeah. of. Um, it, it's not typical, but but the, the the good thing is, so 
I know the product and also with product, I mean, like at least the, the core logic more or less inside out. So um, yeah, I know what we can do, what we cannot do, what we, in which direction we are going, et cetera, et cetera. And I wouldn't, I mean, okay, if you like have a CTO founder, you have the same thing in, in the team. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I mean, it's, it's very important, more or less, if, if, you're, if you're building a complex new product, mm -hmm. it's very important that you have a lot of knowledge in one head. Um, mm -hmm. So, and a lot of knowledge means um, feedback during sales, feedback from customers, feedback from investors, plus the technical thing. Mm -hmm. So, because there's, for, for complex for complex projects like that, I feel there's a lot of lost in translation if, if it's going going back and forth. So it, it's not it doesn't seem like intuitively right, but I but I don't think really it's the it's the worst thing. But definitely, I mean now now that you say that it becomes even more clear. I mean raising the pre-seed round was really was really extremely hard because we basically checked no boxes and those those are those are the boxes you are right. you're mentioning yeah right no and it makes sense i'm i'm asking because of course we we are seeing different ways of of getting to the same uh to the same destination work and uh, i'm seeing different way different founding teams uh, always um becoming the exception and uh, and working so i'm always curious to to get to know uh, how you guys are doing it yeah. and uh, and i can see that you know it happens the classic that sometimes you don't have the product leader but uh, the founders mds in this case or co-ceos are um, at the product mind so they are able to have a product vision and to and to lead the the technical team uh, and it, se it seems also that uh, you guys have surrounded yourself well and that you also have certain understanding of the technical side so that you were able to lead a tech team until now and maybe later when you start uh, completing your leadership team you will have those seats uh, hired uh, as well but until now it worked for you to work in the, in this way and that's fine yeah, yeah I mean we, we have we have some some senior senior people in in tech so I I'm, I'm absolutely not 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 able to do any right. any code reviews right. of the team anymore for, for a very long time now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it worked out. I mean, in, in general, I, I feel like startup science is kind of after the fact science, like almost like, like <laughs> sport science. You, you do not, not come up with a theory and see, okay, reality matches your theory. You look at, at reality, what is, what is dominant, and then you adapt your theories. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not an ideal way. So therefore, um, yeah, but yeah, it works out for us. Uh, and and uh, a great compliment and uh, and uh, and the sign that you guys are going in the right direction is is a recent uh, thirteen million uh, a round uh, led by Inside Partners, so which is a, a tier one investor, uh, which shows uh, that again that's why I'm I'm deep diving, not not trying to catch anything that might be uh wrong uh but because there are different ways of getting to the same uh to the same place and and we all need to learn and that's the purpose of uh, of the podcast so how how has been some of your fundraising lessons and if you want to share a little bit the the story feel feel free to <clears throat> yeah so um 
I mean, um, we, we announced the round in November, we closed it in end of August, but but basically um, very, very similar market environment, I would say. All right. Which is um, great. Uh, 13 million rounds in this downturn. Uh, that's an amazing, uh, <coughs> let's yeah, say, I mean, credibility check <laughs> or uh, yeah. investors believe in what you are doing, right? And in, in, your, in the team, in the product, in the opportunity. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for us, it became like over time, it, it became kind of easier. I already said like pre-seed round was, was unbelievable hard. Um, for us, it's, it's getting easier the more um, tangible metrics there are, because I, I think the tangible metrics play um, in, our, in our favor, kind of like the, the kind of customers we have. That's the best way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> especially and, now having the metrics uh you have the you have the rounds <laughs> if it is just a vision it might be more complex now <laughs> yeah <laughs> um that's that's one thing but i mean oh, that's also the my, my my first a a round so i cannot compare a round against a round but right um um comparing to the seed round i mean it might be natural but but i it, it was quite a lot of diligence also also early early on right so it was not it was of kind of 12 months before so you in august 21 for for the ones who are listening to give them context right so yeah you in, raised in the 2.6 like eight, 18 months or so before more or less then we then we raised it yeah also le less diligence to be done but but at the same time um in, in general like we, we talked to a lot of funds had, had a lot of good conversations and then uh, super happy to to work with inside mm -hmm. We, there are not so many funds that have have experience with really large cap enterprises, but mm -hmm. um, um, in general, much more diligence. Which in in some way again is good if if you have like um, if you have like good metrics. Um, yeah. But it's yeah. I I think it it was def it's definitely rough um environment i would, would absolutely say that um i mean what's good was for us that, that the metrics is good um that our market is not affected by the downturn and and mm -hmm. at least not negatively also no massive um tailwind but but per somewhat because like changing market conditions means you need to measure the market better and we measure the market so this is right. and there's also a lot of opportunity um, and our industries are not massively affected people still con continue to buy um, right. food and beverages telco and, and they don't sure and travel to be more difficult at the time exactly but, but now it's getting getting back <laughs> yeah so um that that's that's the other thing that that really helped us um but yeah i, I think just to summarize it i think from the outside in it was a relatively straight process it, it took us i don't know two and a half months or so um very good i think it's, it's decent but um yeah it's uh, it's very good yeah. uh, especially in on those conditions uh two and a half months it's it's quite good and compared to the to the pre-seeds it, it seems that the pre-seed and and usually it is in it depends on the market environment on on the opportunity yeah. but uh was it kind of six months or uh <laughs> yeah it, 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 i mean i i'm not sure i mean 
Imagine a long time ago are like homemade, make it so so good. I mean, the the thing is, we we are not coming from a from a startup environment at all. So I, I have zero right. friends in VC, right? So and and I and I know how many startup right. founders have friends in VC and and at least talk the same language. Can can talk, can can um, right. So that's that that was that wasn't the case. The other thing which I totally underestimated was was this thing um that we want to define a category right so this is something mm -hmm. still but especially in pre-seed this was a big minus i would say so mm -hmm. um yeah we, we i i know like we, we've been sitting in the in, mm -hmm. a, in a in a room with with investors really like 10 people from their side of 15 including partners and like mm -hmm. pitching pitching the idea showing the product and then the, the question came um okay but is this really completely new? Is, is no one in the US already doing it? And we were like, no, no one is doing it. We, we developed it from scratch. And then the meeting was over, right? So, um, <laughs> yeah, because, that, uh, but if you think about it, and I haven't thought about the, in that way back then, but you add another layer of risk to to, to their, right. their worldview. So, and I, that's also something that, that I learned during Series A. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can, you can, split investors in the ones who are um happy to do thinking from first principles right so you, you say mm -hmm. find a new market then they try to understand this new market and evaluate and the ones who, who are not willing right so they are they evaluated markets and they try to find companies in that market that's my understanding or mm -hmm. they try to press you in a market which is just not true right so it's like um um it's like they they they, they press us in the pricing <coughs> market and right. yes we do pricing also a car manufacturer also produces entertainment because like there's um, an entertainment system inside but it's it's not a product right it's it's a tiny part of the product and mm -hmm. um <coughs> we for us we just saw that in a lot of US investors are much more. There's, I think there's there's quite a difference. Also, some some European, not all, but but quite a difference right. that there are more more US investors who are willing to think the market from first principles, and they they will um, then they are if they like the market and they like you, then they invest. But um, in in the previous round, it was much more. Okay, it's just an additional layer of risk. Right. Is there a category there? Uh, is there any winner in that category? Yes or no? Uh, are we following? Uh, there is there space for two or three winners in or a winner in a different region? But so those are kind of the questions, and and the US investors are more open to risk. And if they if they see that you can be a leader in a new category, they would be interested to to be part of that journey, right? Yeah. I mean, there absolutely some... more risk, yeah. more rewards. Right? So you have to be willing to take more risk. Right. That's the good, a good yeah. point to to make. <laughs> awesome. And um, of course, we have uh, experts here. In how do you define the category? Because I I know that I've I've been making the mistake of talking too much about pricing, and I, I see it's much more <laughs> kind of a revenue uh management uh products yeah. um how would you call the the category today the, oh, yeah. that you guys that you guys are building overall we want to build um 
operating system for commercial decisions. I know operating system is is kind of a buzzword, but but I think it's 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 pretty accurate because if uh, what I said in the beginning, all commercial decisions eventually break down to the to the question what will customers buy, even <laughs> even supply, right? So even if you ask yourself how much do I need to produce today to have enough in stock in six weeks time for a promotion, you need to mm -hmm. estimate how much it will sell in 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 that promotion. Right. And all commercial decisions eventually come down to the question, what will, what will customers buy? And really, there is no other technology out there which can answer this question from one single source of truth. It's the same source of truth you ask for changing prices, changing promotions, changing uh, basically everything, right? And mm -hmm. therefore, it makes total sense to, to build a platform, an operating system where different departments can work together from one single source of truth and optimize holistically because you make you leave a lot of money on the table if you optimize in sequence or in isolation and mm -hmm. not holistically from, from one single source of truth. And that's that's basically the, the phase we are currently in, building, building a foundation or a first step towards that platform in revenue management. But over time, we really want to want to expand in, in, a, in an operating system. And I assume one of the main challenges that you have there, that it's a great topic to talk when we are approaching enterprise, is really how are you able to stay loyal to your product vision uh, and not kind of develop a, an ad hoc product for any single enterprise customer that you are serving. It should be a huge temptation, especially in the first enterprise accounts, accounts that you uh, recruited or that you acquired as, as customers to be able to resist the temptation to not develop a tailor-made product and become almost a software consulting uh, company for for them, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it it's it's funny because like, every, I mean, the, the good thing is it's a very good question. Every also the top VCs ask ask us that, that question, but this is one of the things I would say we surprisingly little to not had at all. So we are, as of today, we basically have exactly the same product for all our clients across different mm -hmm. industries. That's and the, 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 the change in the product is done by customer success. So for example, customer success sets a checkbox. This customer has retailers. So right, so big telco clients, they sell directly to the customers. Um, FNCG producers, they sell through retailers. So you have an additional level of retailers or wholesalers and retailers or um, has customer lifetime value for telco, customer lifetime value is super important to maximize. For consumer goods, customer lifetime value doesn't exist because you don't know the customers mm -hmm. sell through, through retailers. But that, those are, and, and on that level, I think it, it, it's absolutely no problem. If you branch out very far and on, on to add another, on add another screen or add another chart on, on, the, on the very, on, on the very far end of, of the product for different industries, it doesn't matter, right? It, it costs you half a screen. Yeah. So um, what is the problem if you have to you have to change the core, right? And then, then you deviate. But yeah. we, we don't do that at all. And I think the core, the, the, the reason for that is it's because the same people, right? So we are modeling buying decisions of people and the same people that buy insurances also buy soft drinks or or mobile plans right so of right. course parameterization for insurances is different than for soft drinks and mobile plans but it's the same people therefore the same dynamics applies and um we, we don't have to split it up yeah 
Love it. Good point. And to, before we go to the last segment of the show, uh, do, do you think that some of the SaaS CEOs and revenue leaders that are listening uh, might benefit from some of your content? Or do you think it's much more for the very large companies that you are targeting uh, today? No, um, I, I think basically everyone. I mean, from for from the contents, definitely. So we we really yeah. have 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 great have great content, and if if nothing else, it's at least a lot of food for thought, and it's right. it's really um, a really a really good good thought. So, for example, we have a webinar about price discrimination, so customer based pricing. So it's the big temptation, and you you more or less can. Um, can show mathematically how good you need to know your customers. So it's better to, to predict like an individual price than give everyone the same price. And you, have, you need to have a correlation, I think of above 95, like your prediction of, of um, order of, of, of willingness to pay and real wow. willingness to pay to make that work. And then it drops very sharp. So if you're, if you're below and it's, it's very, very difficult. So even if you think about I mean, you you can you can really think very simple. Even if you like have like um, a store for shoes or clothes, and you know know all your customers very well, to estimate what each individual customer is willing to pay based on what you know from him, it's very difficult. And mm -hmm. um, this is like, and it, this is one of the things we we try to we try to challenge status quo because there's a lot of anecdotal evidence in the field, like this decoy effect, good, better, mm -hmm. best, and so on. And, and also like customer individual prices. Yes, of course, it's a great idea if you would know the, the, um, the exact willingness to pay, but typically you don't know. And then there's very little, and this is a general rule, quantitative backing of those qualitative statements. So how well do you need to know your customer to, to really make it work? Um, because in the end, it's always a, it's always a quantitative um, it's always a quantitative um, statement, right? So it's always mm -hmm. everyone likes this. Okay, I put a more expensive wine on the on on the on the menu, and then everyone buys the middle product. Great, but how expensive should it exactly be compared compared to those other? Right. In the end, it's a very quantitative question, and this is extremely hard to answer. And I think we have a lot of good good um, yeah food for thought on 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 those topics. So just go to binomics. Uh dot com and uh, and you'll be able to see some of the websites and great white papers and and um blog articles and also also i think all our webinars are online yeah awesome so let's go to the last segment of the show sebastian uh where i ask you a, a quick question and we kind of do a ping pong of question and answer <laughs> Uh, if you would have the opportunity to have a coffee with yourself uh, at the beginning of Binomics in 2018, what advice would you offer to your younger self? Um, uh, might sound very generic. Basics, basics, basics. So it's it's all about getting the basics right, right? So really mm -hmm. don't, there are two, three most important things spend all your time doing that, spend zero time doing anything else. And perhaps, I mean, one thing that, um, <laughs> that I learned in, in sports is like, 
tell me your personal best and I tell you if I want to hear your opinion. And this is also <laughs> very, this is also very true for, for advisors, right? So um, right. There, there's a lot of people who want to tell you something, just make sure you, you make sure you, you, you listen to people who really done it successfully themselves. Awesome. What are you the most proud of on your journey so far? Um, that we made it, made it work in, in, the, in the first place. So it's, it's really, I mean, it's, it's, it's really a very special feeling when like real results coming in and you can, you can compare them to what you have predicted the, the first time and then see like people really behave that way. So it's, it's unbelievable, right? So you, they, you're getting the results, you, you, it you, works. You, you, you type like crazy in Excel for 10 minutes to get first analysis and then oh you know, crazy, it works. Yeah, this is, this is the most crazy thing. And, and the other thing also like be cheesy, but, but really um, winning the team or be, being able to, to get a team we have really un, un, unbelievable, strong strong team worst advice ever received um perhaps similar to that is, is someone already doing in the, in the us so if if you are if you are building something new don't, don't look after competition because it's that, that's that's just distraction so in the beginning right. You just have to follow follow your intuition, and then pray that that it works. It's uh, that 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 might work. The, the other one is, is definitely, I, I would say, the road to death. Right. Create your hypothesis and validate those hypotheses instead of trying to do a, a copycat, right? In a in a certain yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, resources. Favorite book, business or non-business? You decide. <laughs> Um, business is um, memos from from the chairman from Ace Greenberg, former CEO from um, Bear Stearns, I guess, so investment bank. And it's a very short book. Like every page is a memo he sent internally to um, to his to to That's their to his, to his staff. And it's un unbelievable good stories. So one, it's it's very very well thought through, and and two, it's it's crazy. Like he invents like a uh, an Inuit, which which tries to 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 teach his people to not buy rubber bands because they get get so many in in house. So it's unbelievable <laughs> that that the CEO of such a big company um, sends such great <laughs> memos. But but I really love it. Yeah. Favorite movie or series? Um, um, I, I would say, Bad Santa or Lawrence of Arabia. So <laughs> I think they. <laughs> One of those. Curious, great additions to, to, the, to the list. Uh, and finally, your favorite podcast, excluding uh, this one. Um, I, I would say Lex Friedman. Yeah. What, what is that one, uh, Sebastian? Could you repeat? Le Lex Friedman. Ah, uh, okay, got it. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I mean, it's, I, I really like, like listening to people who are like, <laughs> I don't know, 30, 40, 50 IQ points. Uh, above me, <laughs> how they see how they see the world. Really, really impressive. Yeah. Great additions to to the list, Sebastian. It has been a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, good luck with the next chapters, and you are always invited to come back to to share the progress. Thanks so much. Thanks for the invite. Really enjoyed the conversation. Bye bye.
And to our community, thanks for being there. We keep bringing you the best founders and investors to help you scale our business from 1 million to 1 trillion. See you soon and keep scaling.